Hey, I'm Fred. I'm Phoebe. And I'm Ant. And this is Creator Generation. A horrible first draft is worth more than a perfect half-done draft because that perfect half-done draft will always be half-done. All right, Fred, what are we doing this week? This week we're talking with Claire Sladden, an award-winning writer and director who went from creating her own web series to writing a show for a streaming platform. She's going to talk to us about her experience, but also about the unique way in which she visualizes things, which is truly fascinating, definitely worth hearing about. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Well, welcome back, everyone. Today we have Claire Sladen with us, and I'm taking a, a, a page out of Anne's book. I'm going to say, Claire, why don't you do the introduction? Tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm terrible at this, by the way. Um, I'm, I'm a screenwriter. <laughs> I direct, I produce as well, but uh, yeah, that's, I'm a screenwriter. <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> I know. It's hard sometimes explaining what it is you do when you're in, your, in the creative space, like yeah. trying to exactly encapsulate what it is. Um, I have terrible, terrible time doing it. When people ask me what I do, I have like a hundred different things I say as well. So, mm. yeah, it's interesting. Everyone says a slightly different thing. We, I think we put everybody on the spot by asking <laughs> them to do that. They're like, oh, I guess I'm maybe. Ask me at the end. Ask me at the yes. end and You're, I'm sure I'll be all like warmed uh, up and I can yeah. just like nail it. <laughs> all right. Absolutely. Well, look, let, let's start with a, hopefully a more simple uh, question and say like, uh, how, tell us about your writing background. How did you, how did you get started on this path? To becoming a screenwriter, director, and all things uh, creative. Uh, so I I started creative writing straight out of uh, high school. So I, I went straight into uni and did a BA. And when I finished mm. that, I guess I I didn't really have a clear path forward. Um, yeah, I just I didn't see mm. how I could make a living <laughs> as a writer. And I was very it was a very sort of novel you know prose kind of focused degree. And so I ended up working in bookshops and trying to sort of write on the side and try to find, you know, my voice and, and that kind of thing while I was working in bookshops. And then I went into uh, publishing in mm. like children's book publishing in, in sales and loved it and then realized I was not writing at all <laughs> because I was like thinking and talking uh. creatively about other people's work. Uh, all day and so then I, I switched into a completely unrelated field I took the sales part and I went into like the bathroom industry randomly and you know had this idea what? of like well <laughs> yeah I know so crazy um, but I had this idea of like if I don't feel emotionally connected to what I'm writing I, I'm sorry to what I'm selling I will have that creative space so yeah, I, I was I was doing that. Um, <laughs> so so, so, <laughs> yeah, so you, you moved into the bathroom sales industry mm-hmm. to become creative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's okay. a little bit of that um, <laughs> that eldest child energy where I was like, well, like you know, I've got to be responsible. I need to, you know, keep having having good jobs. I can I can do this creative thing on the side. Um, yeah, I just there was just never that. Yeah. I just never could get my head around how to be a, like a full-time writer like it just didn't seem seem like a thing um it always seemed like something I'd have to kind of segue into um and the great thing was that when I was working for that company uh I was writing on the side and I I started writing screenplays mm-hmm. and I had written a couple of shorts with my sister who studied um film and tv at the same time that I was doing creative writing so I knew that I kind of could write screenplays kind of um I think it was like a you don't know what you don't know situation which probably helped me <laughs> because if I knew what I didn't know like I probably wouldn't have started um 
but I, yeah, like I, I finished one and that started placing in like some good overseas competitions and fellowships and that kind of stuff. So I was getting that feedback back of like, you're not terrible. Um, <laughs> great. And, uh, ended up quitting my job in 2016 and, and focusing full time. So is that, is that the point in time where you knew this is the time for me to follow my true passion? Was it getting that feedback back and starting to feel a little bit of that traction or was it something else? Uh, it wasn't like I had always, I, I was very sort of sure that I was going to, I was not going to quit my job and I was going to segue seamlessly from a career in bathrooms into a career in screenwriting in Australia, which is like such a well-trodden <laughs> path. Um, just so many trailblazers just treading that path constantly. Um, no, it, it was a, it was a situation at, at that company that I was working at where I, uh, I, I really, I actually really enjoyed what I was doing. Like I wasn't just doing sales. I had sort of progressed yeah. and I was like, I'd managed a team. I managed a team. I was sort of doing product development and sort of like strategy. And I was liaising with customers. Like I really enjoyed, I was yeah, presenting right. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it was like a real, I was able yeah. to do a lot of stuff cause it was quite a small team in Australia, but a big overseas company. And I really enjoyed it. And, um, I, I kind of yeah did think that I would kind of be working on those two things kind of um, at the same time. And then, yeah, I had a, a situation with that company where um, I guess it was sort of made very clear to me that I, like I had, a, I had a, an issue with a, a coworker, which, and, and I think now, you know, six, seven years later, I think that would have been handled differently by my company. But at the time um, it wasn't, I was sort of, gaslit and I was you know I'd been told I was very very good at this job for sort of seven years and then to be kind of told that I wasn't and it was my problem and it was you know like it mm. I guess it was sort of seven years ago thinking but yeah um that really for me was was just the thing you know I had a conversation with my boss and he yeah. was like oh you need to sort of get happier and you need to sort of learn how to you know work out how to deal with this and, you know, just realizing in the moment how unsupported I was um, with a boss that I loved, yeah. you know, that I loved, which made me so upset. Um, but he sort of said like this throwaway line. And he was like, oh, you know, you really like that film and TV stuff. Why don't you get a job, you know, in that? And I remember in the moment being like, what can I wait? Can I swear? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, great. I was like, you fucking idiot. Like, you know, in my head. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go get a job in film and TV. Like, what a fucking grand idea. Um, and I just, I was, I thought, like, ha, like yeah, because it's that easy. Like, and I was just, in the moment, I was incensed. Um, and we got back to work. It was like a three minute walk. Like, we we're having a coffee. We went back to work. And by the time we got back, in my head, I was like, I have savings. I am quitting this job. I am, I'm going to be screaming. Like, yeah. I'm, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> well, was it at that point, did you know you were actually good at it? I mean, a lot of creatives I know always worry, are they good enough? But how do you actually get to the point where you think, you know, what I'm producing is actually pretty good? Mm. Yeah, I, I, uh, I did know I was good enough. Like I, I did feel like I was good enough. I, um, I've probably been lucky enough not to have, um, what my brother-in-law would call like too many art scars, you know, like those fundamental kind of (laughs) formative moments where somebody implies or just straight out tells you that you slash your art is not worthy. I really didn't have any of those in my you know like I I have a I have a really good friend who is now a doctor but he when we went to primary school together 
he was this amazing, super smart, creative guy. Like, you know, like flip a coin, would he be a doctor? Would he be some kind of a, an, an artist, a writer, like that kind of guy. And I was talking to him recently about like art scars and he was like, oh my gosh, in year two or three, he was like, do you remember me and this other friend, we made up this rap and we did this rap in front of our like class. And I was like, yeah. yes, I, re- I remember that rap. Like we thought you were amazing. And he said, there was this kid, I kind of remember who it was. There was this kid in the class and we finished the rap and he said, oh, you guys ripped that off. I don't know, whatever he's like the Simpsons or, you know, you guys that you just, you guys ripped that off. And he said like, ever since he goes, I was so embarrassed. Like I, I didn't, I did. We made this thing up by ourselves, but at every single stage of my life where I've gone to do something creative, I have this, like, I'm, I'm constantly second guessing myself about like, am I plagiarizing? Am, have I found this, you know, like I'm writing a song and it's like, have I heard this somewhere else? Because I have this, like, you know, he was so scarred by this one kid in like year three being, you know, being just jealous and being like, you guys ripped that off the Simpsons or whatever it was. And that stayed with him. And like, I think, you know, like lots of people have those kind of moments and maybe can't kind of drill back into them, but like they're leading a lot of their Mm. sort of those decision-making sort of decisions. Yeah. Wow. I, oh. That resonates with me. <laughs> I'm always stuck in my head like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I guess the the part of my, yeah, like I didn't, I didn't have, I don't really have too much of that. Like I, I, I felt like I, I felt like I was good. Um, and so that wasn't, or, mm. or that not even that I was good, that I would work as hard as I needed to work to be as good as I needed to be like that, like that I had the mm. talent, but also that I would work to grow my craft that I would, back myself to do that it's funny because um so many people think that uh, a career in, in the creative space it, it feels a little it should be a little more linear like oh if you're mm. a creative writer i mean you go into the field and you work your way up and but so many people we we are working with um more and more have this such a broad background they come from one thing and they've completely shifted and done something else it reminds me of um do you know simon kennedy oh yeah um He's a, you know, he's a tr- tr- tremendous writer and like, you know, he's a, I think he's a physiotherapist. Um, and then he went onto YouTube and did like a kid's channel doing kid songs with Simon. And then he writes like this, like Emmy award winning TV show or, or like Logie award winning TV show. And you're like, wow. And you know, you talk to him and he's just the most interesting, doing the most yeah. interesting different things. And it's just so multifaceted. So there's yeah. no real one mold, is there? You can do all these things. Yeah. And Absolutely. that's I think the, uh, yeah. the new modern media landscape has opened all that up for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what you're doing, you know, like that past, I guess, business experience um, was incredibly helpful for all of the stuff that I've done, like mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, like there's nobody, when I first kind of started, I, I was down in Melbourne for a year and then I moved back in with my parents who were on the, um, in, in the Northern rivers. And it was just me in my room. Like there's nobody telling me to do anything. There's nobody like, um, watching mm-hmm. over me. And so that sort of, I don't know, that business strategy, that kind of being used to working and, and, and wanting results and wanting, you know, <laughs> working to KPIs or doing whatever, you know, I was good at setting deadlines for myself. I was good at sort of managing myself and then what I was putting out into the world or how I was sort of attacking problems in, in a sort of very kind of logical, I guess, businessy way, which is very different to like the creative mm. part of, you know, what I was doing. Yeah. Um, would you say that then that's an actually an important point for any creative uh, person is that 
that drive to actually keep creating and keep keep yourself on point, that accountability. Because I think, like, even with Simon, like, you know, he's a very accountable person. He has that drive to keep creating stuff. You know, mm. he runs his own business, and he's just got that 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 uh, ability to keep moving forward. Do you think that's an important part for creatives? Yeah, I think the the keep creating part is incredibly important. Um, no matter I, you know, no matter where you are in your career, but especially when you're starting out, because you don't you don't have anything like you you know you can talk about writing, you think about writing, but like unless you've done the writing and you have the work to show, and then you know you scale that up to like you know you're doing a short film mm. or web series, whatever. Like that's that's the work and. I think also the it's it's like when you you start a project and you're you know you kind of write you you write you re- rewrite and you get it to a certain stage and there's like a ceiling that you hit like craft wise where it's like you really don't have the skills to make that thing better and then when you start a new project that ceiling becomes the floor and you start from there and that's I mm. think that happens every time and it's like you know, sometimes people start like with a really high ceiling because they're just that talented or, you know, sometimes you're going to have like, you know, bigger um, distances between, you know, in between projects or projects or whatever. But um, you only get better by writing, like you only get better by doing the thing. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of um, anxiety kind of caught up of like, oh, it's got to be it's got to be good. It's got to be perfect. It's got it like I can't put something on the page until yeah. it's sort of it's it's all there and people are thinking about writing and obsessing about writing and stressing about writing and then not writing and it's worth just like I do vomit drafts like I do plan I do outline <laughs> and I have I know what I'm doing I know what I'm going to write um but I just vomit onto the page like a a horrible horrible first draft is worth more <laughs> than a perfect half done draft because that perfect half done draft will always be half done yeah right Hey, just a quick interruption. We have the Creator Generation Discord community, so hit the link, come hang out with us and your fellow creators from all over the world. We'll see you there. And look, you obviously said like you, you left your, your job, you wanted to progress down the path, uh, as you both said, into the TV and film space. Why not <laughs> go ahead and do that? But like, what was your first foray into that space? Was it actually in TV and film, or was it? In, well, how did you get it? Start moving towards that dream. Uh, I think the first thing that I did was I did write and then make a short film. That was when I was down in Melbourne, and so you know, I don't know. Getting that into got into some good festivals. I got to go over to Palm Springs, which is like a good you know good short festival. Um, that you know that was kind of the first part and then actually moving back in with my parents uh because you know I wasn't working I was just using (laughs) I was just using savings to you know (laughs) write and make stuff uh moving in with my my parents was great because they are in the northern rivers and that's where screenworks is based and so screenworks deals with um regionally based screenwriters um or filmmakers in Australia and I was, yeah, really well supported by them and quite mm. a few of their sort of initiatives like um, writing initiatives or directing initiatives or that kind of stuff I, I um, was the recipient of. So I got to do that kind of stuff. And it was, yeah, it was a combination of me doing like doing those kind of initiatives, entering competitions, making shorts. I did three shorts all up in the web series um, and you know, I got an agent towards 
maybe in 2018, just, I don't know, like just hitting, like hitting it on multiple fronts, like doing everything, you know, just, and yeah, yeah. like trying to come up with as much spec material as possible, having those writing samples, having stuff that I could make, having stuff that I could submit to, you know, I was in New South Wales at the time, but then, mm. you know, I've moved to Queensland, into Queensland, like, yeah, it's it's kind of like a spaghetti against the wall kind of approach to a certain degree because you have to be doing a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. And then you made a, a web series before, after that, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I made the web series. I think we shot at the end of 2017, so it came out in March 2018, which was, you know, interesting. It was self-funded. <laughs> wow. Uh, so if you could just tell us what's the name of your... Uh, web series and what's it about oh sure so it's uh it's called freudian slip and we released it on youtube and also uh we got a really nice kind of shout out from frankie magazine it was in their blog uh so we got a lot of sort of viewership uh that way but it's kind of it's basically about taking the little micro um moments and interactions um between two consenting adults basically um so it's basically set like little sex-based um uh yeah web series that kind of chronicles it's like six episodes uh three minutes each that chronicles like the different um different moments in this particular relationship yeah awesome very nice but what prompted that why, why did you say hey let's do a web series was it just because of the ease of access or was it just something had a really good idea yeah, it was. I mean, I had done two shorts by that stage and both of them were fairly dark. And like, I, you know, I, I like dark kind of stuff, but I also love comedy. So I wanted to have, yeah, I just wanted something that would show off my comedy chops. And I was kind of sick of that festival route where you sort of, you know, you know you're paying all these entrance fees and um it you know it, it adds up and right. the laurels are great and you can get you know getting into palm springs with consent was great um we got into flicker fest with dolls which was my second one like there was you know great little sort of wins but the idea of going direct to an audience uh was yeah i really liked that mm. idea and so yeah we worked out that we could sort of make it i i split the costs with uh the guy that I produced with Lewis Templar and we paid $4,000 each. So it was like uh, an $8,000 um, endeavor. <laughs> wow. And then from there you started to move into TV. I know you wrote for Eden. How did that come about? Yeah, that was, a, and you know, randomly I had met Vanessa Garzi, who was the head writer uh, in Palm Springs. We both had uh, shorts in the same kind of curation. And so we kept in touch yeah, from man. there. Uh, and I knew that she was, I knew that she was doing it. And I think I'd gone out with her for a recce and I'd sort of shown her around. It was going to you know, be filmed in, in Byron Bay and surrounds. Uh, and I'd mm. sort of forgotten about it. Cause I think that was like a year and a half previous. <laughs> and then I, yeah, I just, I got a call out of the blue from, um, Mike Jones from every cloud. And he was like, Oh, would you like to, you know, be in this room? Wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, great. Yep. Yep. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, I think they were sort of like, oh, we don't know if you'll get a, an episode. Um, yeah. But I was happy, you know, I was happy to be in the room. But when I kind of got there, I sort of did the math and I was like, oh, I think I can get an, ep- <laughs> I think I can get an, ep- an episode. And so I just made sure awesome. that I 
was going to get an episode. I was like, I'm going to bring my, <laughs> I'm going to bring my A game to this room so they will give me an episode. <laughs> Uh, and they did, so that was great. Wow. And maybe they were going to give me one all, all along. I don't know. <laughs> well, before we sort of get into that a bit more, like, just tell us what was that show about? Like, what was Eden yeah. all about? So Eden's, it was sort of um, a murder mystery type of show um, set in Byron Bay, kind of told from a really like through a very female lens of kind of sex and, and desire mm. and. Um, yeah, and, and Vanessa had a really lovely, um, you know, vision for that. And yeah, it was, it was an all female, just trying to, like, yes, I'm correct. It was an all female, um, ride, like writing <laughs> crew and it was, yeah, it was great. It's on Stan. <laughs> Watch it. Yeah. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, sorry, in, in Australia, Stan is one of the, uh, VOD platforms that we have here. Um, yes. And it must have been quite different, right? Going from the idea of a web series where you have so much creative control mm-hmm. to then being part of a writing team where you write one episode as part of many, which then mm-hmm. has to be streamlined across, you know, that whole mm-hmm. feel has to be across the whole series. Yes. <laughs> it, it is. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I had been in, you know, quite a few writers' rooms anyway. And I think probably one of the things that served me was that I had been a note taker in quite a few and then observer then participator participant sorry um and so it's not like I walked in and I was like oh my god what is this uh but yeah I'd been in enough to kind of I don't know for me to know how I wanted to behave in a room Mm. and to sort of see what I liked Mm. you know what people did that I liked what they you know did that I didn't like or didn't want to kind of do uh and yeah, so, like, no, I guess, like, none of the process, like, I wasn't shocked by any of it. it. Like, you know, there are checks and balances in place because you're spending millions of dollars. So it's, like, that all made, you know, that all made sense to me. Um, I guess with the, you know, something like Freudian Slip, you, you know, if you're producing yourself, you're writing, and I directed as well, uh, there are no checks and balances, essentially. And I think what people, and which is, you know, you have complete creative freedom, uh, and I think what some people do forget to do is at, kind of add back in those checks and balances. Um, because if I hadn't had those, if I hadn't put them in place for myself with Freudian slip, um, it certainly wouldn't be as good as it is. Like if I had just been writing and mm-hmm. never showed anybody, never listened to anybody's feedback, it would be a very different thing and it wouldn't be a better thing. And so I think that when... Mm-hmm you know like yeah sometimes like in tv development like it, it can feel like a lot like there are a lot of people there are a lot of opinions etc and that's just like what it is mm-hmm. um but you do need to build some of that back in specifically people with the with opinions that you value so if you're going to be make you know doing your own short doing your own web series yeah, whatever right. it is like you need to to get verified kind of um respected uh, I don't know, like feedback to make sure that you, you, you're not missing a trick, which like you so often do because mm. of course you do. Like, yeah. Sounds like you need people around you that you trust as well. Right. You mentioned when you were talking about um, art scars earlier, it would just take one bad person to say one oh. thing to you and, and rock your confidence in that situation. Right. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. 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 Like if you don't have, like you want people to be able to tell you the truth, uh, but you mm. don't want them you know like there's a certain level of toxicity especially 
uh, yeah. when, when you have people from the same industry who are all, you know, everybody's kind of coming up together. You're sort of, everybody's, mm -hmm. it feels like competition, but it's not. And when you have people that treat it as competition, yeah. that can get a little bit dicey. Um, cause everybody's running their own yeah. race, you know, like it does feel like competition because like there are certain spots or there's certain funding or that, you know, whatever, but it, like, mm -hmm. if you start thinking like that, it, it does get really, it does get really toxic. Um, but yeah, you need those people around you who are going to be honest, who are going to like, who actually look out, like are looking out for your best interest and the best interest of the project. Fair enough. And look, I guess the, the, the other thing that comes from a, a web series, a lot of people ask about web series compared to TV is mm -hmm. like the process of, of writing a storytelling. What is the overlap there? Like when it comes to basically in, uh, yeah. creating stories? Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it's. It's just a, like a miniature version, right? It's episodic. Uh, I think where a lot of people do trip up with web series is they, especially in the early days when it was kind of like, oh my God, web series, like web series is so hot right now. Uh, and a lot of people kind of cutting up feature, feature films, right? To kind of be like, oh, we could cut this up and do it episodically. And like, there's a web series, but you like, it, it's, it wasn't that simple because you have to have these like little, you know, questions, like, you know, asking answers within each episode. Like you are telling a story episodically, like, like, do you have cliffhangers? Do you have like reveals? Do you have like a clear question that you're asking each episode? So it, it's almost like just like a little dress rehearsal for like the bigger thing, basically. Um, you can, yeah, you should be treating it that way because you do have, all the sort of episodic storytelling elements there just in a much, much smaller format. Interesting. And like, uh, so would you say though that that web series really did help you better understand the, 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 the film and TV space or do you feel you'd already gotten a pretty good grasp of that when you got there? Um, that's a good question. No, I mean like I think everything that you make just, you know, you come away with, with, different learnings and understandings i think until you're actually in tv like it's close to tv and it's like you know it's mirroring the the format like on a, on a much smaller scale but until you actually sort of are doing it it's yeah like all those checks and balances and all those sort of outside you know other parties and all of that other stuff you can't quite kind of you know appreciate it until you're in it and you're like oh yeah this is <laughs> this is like you know like this whole sort of machine and like this whole another thing um yeah but it's also not that i mean yeah once you once you get your head around it it's not like mm. scary or whatever fair enough and look there's one one thing we were talking about um a, a, a couple of weeks ago when i first met you and i was actually very super interested like every you know writer creative has their own process a lot of it comes around visualization mm. but you told me something super interesting about the way that it works for you. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about that? Explain how that works. I was like, I knew you were going to ask this. Uh, yeah, because it, it is odd. Um, yeah, so I have, uh, I think you pronounce it aphantasia. Aphantasia? Oh. It's basically that I don't have a mind's eye, so I don't have, um, yeah, I guess like the ability to recall or store or make any visual memories and don't have the ability to kind of imagine something visual um yeah i don't have a visual what? imagination um yeah which like wow. the great the, so funny it was like my sister was having her first um having her first baby and she was 
sort of like, oh, is she in labor? Is she not? And we were all like, it was like my parents and I and my sister and her husband, like in her house. And it was kind of like, oh, like just hanging out, waiting for like her to go into labor. And I was reading, so this was like, yeah, 2016. And I was reading on my phone, this like Facebook article by this guy who had, who had, this is so inception-y. He'd read an article about a guy who had a head injury and he woke up from this head injury and had lost his mind's eye. He had like, um, he had gotten oh, aphantasia from that head injury and the, you know, and they went in the article and sort of explained what that meant. And the guy who was writing the article that I was reading was like, how amazing that this guy could like imagine things visually to begin with. Uh, and then he kept reading and it was like, you know, one in 50 people or a hundred people or whatever, like a thought to have aphantasia or whatever. And he was like, Oh, <laughs> and so he was asking all these friends. He's like, wow. you know, if, if you like, can you picture a, a red triangle? Can you, can you picture a beach? And yeah, his friends were like, are you, are you crazy? Like, yes, of course. <laughs> and all of this stuff had sort of like was making a lot of sense to him. Like he, he sounded like he had a very acute um, uh, sort of case where he like his like spatial memory, like, like was all sort of like a bit, I don't know, a bit affected. Uh, but I saw a lot of like, I was like, Oh, <laughs> Oh, that's me. <laughs> oh, that's me. And so yeah. then I was going around asking my parents and like, you know, my sister's like, Oh, I think I'm in labor. I'm like, can you, red triangle like in your mind oh and she's God. like what are you fucking talking about <laughs> um and i'm like no 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 but you guys can you picture can you not beach? see a red triangle <laughs> no is that, and is I that was... just like you if i say now you go what <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow. which is crazy wow. because you know when people are like oh count sheep i was like well that's a cute metaphor isn't it like that you basically you're just counting <laughs> yourself to sleep and then it's like people can see fucking sheep like what um, yeah, yeah, apparent. Yeah. I, I guess so. Like, yeah, that's that really strung me out. So, how do you write? Um, how do you create well, these worlds? How do you create these stories? Crazy to guess, me. I guess I would say that I'm not. I've never been interested in kind of creating. I guess creating a world from scratch. So it's like if I was to write, uh, you know, a, a sci-fi or like I wouldn't probably write a, a, a sci-fi or a fantasy um that that yeah, really right. needed a lot of world building um that wouldn't be a strength okay. of of mine i would you know it's yeah i wouldn't do that um but i don't know like i i guess i i write like i hear characters voices so if i um you know like if i watch enough youtube let's say of like well i mean owen wilson's an easy one but like just you know a particular comedian or <laughs> whoever that has I mean, everyone's got a distinctive voice, but it's like if I can watch enough um, sort of stuff, I can hear that person in my head as a character. Like I can kind of hear like the cadence and I can yeah. kind of do that. Um, but I guess it's also a, a an emotional thing. So it's like I hear it and I feel it. So it's like, I, yeah, I, I can okay. feel being in it and I kind of write from there, if that makes sense. Yes, I think I misunderstood. I think I, I for some reason, just thought what well, she's. There's nothing going on in there. There's no hearing. There's no feeling. But there's hearing and feeling. There's just no yes. seeing. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. No okay. Seeing. Okay. No some senses. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Absolutely. It's, it's, yeah. it's fair to say it's more. Is it procedural in your thought? Like if you think, oh, I'm going to go down to the shops. I'd 
you know, you, envi- you envisage yourself going to yeah, the shops, yeah. but when you think I have to go to the shops, it's like a, a like in a list. You just go, I've got to go to the shops, and that it's, it's like a procedure in your mind rather than a visual element. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, very very listy. Right. Yeah, like just. I mean, and I do have a, right. a fairly good memory um, for you know for details, but again, it's a list based thing. So if somebody, you know, like I, oh god, like I, I like I can't picture i know i know what my mother looks like but i can't picture her face in my mind like that kind of thing yeah that is so interesting (laughs) i just want to follow you around for a week claire and watch you live (laughs) live and ask you a million questions about it (laughs) let me me ask this then do you do you think do you think it it this gives you some sort of edge or people would think it may be uh an impediment but it could be could this give you actually an edge as a rider because of that procedural way of thinking rather than getting too foggy with you know over visuals yeah i mean definitely in terms of writing because what you're putting on there is is a blueprint um you know like it's like yeah i've finished a screenplay and but it's like you've screen you know you've finished a blueprint um the the actual movie or web series or you know tv show is the thing it's the actual thing and so not being um precious about the visual you know like i was writing like describing an apartment block the other day Mm. i like i don't care like i don't have an apartment block in my head so (laughs) you know if i happen to you know if i'm i'm involved in like choosing that apartment block I'm going to be able to be happy with like the thing that I see in front of me. And if that meets those, you know, that checklist of like, yes, this does the thing that we want it to do. Mm. um, Then I'm not kind of wrestling with like, Oh, but I saw a different apartment block. Um, So there's, there's that. But I also think the, (laughs) that sort of hyper-focused sort of sense of dialogue is probably, has probably helped me more than anything. Um, so being able yeah. to kind of hear those characters in my head, but also hear when stuff just isn't working. Just and and a lot of mm-hmm. I think a lot of writers struggle with dialogue because a lot of writers are so visual, and you think, well, that makes sense. Like writers are visual, like great, and then you get to dialogue, and you're like, oh well, like no human being has ever spoken like that. Like that, you know, <laughs> they've they've got all the visuals right, and then it's sort of like this these interactions are sort of lacking subtext and they're lacking that sort of specificity or human element or whatever and so that's Mm. certainly you know an area that like I was I was good at it to start with but I have really Mm. honed that and and understood that for what it was fascinating wow well, actually, we're actually running out of, of time, but I, I do want to ask one, one last thing. A lot of people aspire to obviously to, to do what you've done. Do you have one tip you can give people who are thinking, hey, I really want to get into writing. I really want to do this. I want to follow my dream. Yes, I have. I knew you were going to ask this question. Um, and I've got like a couple of quick ones. I would say choosing a destination choosing a destination like you know if i buy a plane ticket i'm like i want to go to europe and i might end up in like like romania and then you kind of like oh actually i really like you're in romania and you're like oh i wanted to go to bordeaux and i wanted to go to this street in bordeaux and this house and this corner in this house like it's like but if you you know if you can actually work out that's where you want to go that's the kind of career you want to have and of course you can move that at any time and change that, but like really just making some decisions about like what kind of career you would want 
is going to mm-hmm. save you ending up in like I'm sure Romania is a nice place but like if you don't want to go to Romania you, you don't want to go to Romania you want to be in Bordeaux yeah. like that's I think that's really important like the there it, it is a process of you know throwing a certain amount of spaghetti against walls but also like the more targeted you can be with that spaghetti it's like mm-hmm. do you want to be a screenwriter do you want to be a screenwriter director do you want to you know direct your passion projects that are you know features or do you want to actually work in television do you want to be a jobbing writer do you want to be a a showrunner do you want to work in the u.s like and then finding people that have the types of careers that have had the like that have kind of come up in the last like five to ten years so that you know things are kind of the same like you don't want to choose people from 25 years ago because Mm -hmm. conditions aren't the same um and then sort of reverse engineering what they have done um and kind of looking at like the choices that they made like um it's not always going to you know you're not always going to be able to do the things that they've done certain people have you know privileges and and Mm -hmm. um certain access and whatever but like i think that's helpful Mm -hmm. um and then making that elevation of of craft like a priority and so that like you know there are so many barriers and so many gatekeepers but you can use your time and elevate your craft on your time. Mm. Um, and that's something like you can get better. Like you don't need anybody else to kind of get better at that. And then, yeah, just be on the lookout for, you know, your state-based funding. Um, if you're regional screen craft, uh, screen craft is a screen works, um, screen Australia, overseas comps. Like if you are a screenwriter and you know, you're looking at like the Academy Nichols, or like Page, or like I, you know, I attended uh, the Cinestory Fellowship and Stowe Fellowship twice each, which were like um, workshop-based kind of fellowships. Um, yeah, I'd be looking at all of that kind of stuff. Awesome, great advice. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, Claire, thanks so much. It was so, so interesting to to hear about that that journey. I think it's something a lot of people aspire to, but it's hopefully if someone takes inspiration from this, they can they can start on their own path towards what they really want as well (laughs) yeah 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 thank you so much for joining us my pleasure thank you for having me